is freaking out of. This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, final hour here at Brock and Salk Sales Sports on 710salesports.com. And Stacey Rost will step in here in about a half hour and spend a few minutes with us, which I'm always looking forward to. Uh, we just spoke with Jerry DePoto. If you missed it, you're going to want to catch that whole thing at seattlesports.com or on your podcast platform or tomorrow morning at 630. Uh, but good conversation with Jerry and, and, and leads to a lot of understanding of kind of where the team is at, where they're going, where Julio's at. They're playing better baseball, right? They won seven of nine games. They did it against some pretty good teams, which is, again, important to hear. But what does it mean for them moving forward? To me, that's always going to be the biggest question. And when we talked to Jerry, we asked him about this trade deadline. And his answer, while not surprising, continues to give us a look into what direction they would like to go. Our plan and the way it has been for years has always been find ways to get better. And, you know, we tend to think longer term than short you know, even the, the Luis Castillo acquisition at the trade deadline last year, we weren't looking at it as this is the boost that gets us, you know, to the postseason. It's this is the boost that brings an ace to town, and we're going to see if we can lock him up for a while. So, you know, we'll continue to look at at the market. Likely more players that that have a chance to move forward with us than than what you would call short term, you know, or rental types. And that speaks to Jerry's general philosophy and what it's been here for a while. He's looking for cornerstone pieces at the deadline rather than ways to tinker and add just a little bit that is not where you're going to give up an asset that that is not going to pay off long term for you. Right. I think that's always Jerry's always been loath to do that. Every time they've had an opportunity to add, you know, that extra piece to put them over, he's not really wanted to give up a lot to get it. And so you've ended up with some of those guys that show up at the deadline here that have not really done a whole lot, to be honest with you. You saw it even last year. You know, it was uh, uh, what's the local kid, the left hander, Matt Boyd. And there was the other guy from from uh, Arizona who kind of played a little. I mean, like they just haven't added those sort of bigger names to try to help them because they don't want to give up you know, long-term, controllable, great young players and prospects for a guy that's only going to be here for a few months. I understand that. But it means that you've got to go out, and when you're trying to improve your team, and as Jason Churchill often says online, I totally agree with him, there's only a couple of cycles during the year where you get a chance to add talent. This is one of them, right? It's the offseason and the trade deadline. Well, this is one of your opportunities to go out there and add another big-time piece. Last year... They acquired one of the best players on their team at the deadline. They didn't acquire a fringe bat. They didn't acquire, you know, a guy that could maybe help for for a few months. They acquired one of the best players on their team. I don't know whether they can do that again this year. I don't. I don't know whether there's a talent like Luis Castillo that is available to them that's going to be controlled for the next few years, that they could sign to a long-term contract once he's here. I don't know that that player is in this year's trade deadline pool, but I absolutely want Jerry to be looking for that. I absolutely want him to be looking for somebody where you can get two, three, four years and then maybe sign him to a long-term deal to try to continue to build your talent, not just for this year, but for the future. They need that. 
you don't want to go all in on this season. You want them to get better for this season, but you don't want it to be a make or break year. It's not. You've got Julio for the next 10 years. You just signed Castillo for the long term. You've got a, a you know all this young pitching that's going to be around next year and the year after and the year after. And in many cases is continue to get better rather than the opposite. So you'd be foolish to go all in on this year. But if you can find the right player to help you for the next two, three, four, uh, yeah. So when you do want to go all in, that's exactly then right. You're just a piece or two. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So that when you're leading your division on July 31st, as opposed to five games, six games back, that's when I want to see them continue to add that piece because that's when you are truly, you know, let's go World Series. And I hoped that that would be the case this year. And maybe if they were six games ahead of the Rangers instead of six games behind them. You would see that right now. They're not in that situation. Yeah. So you've got to do what's prudent. You got to go out and try to continue to add talent during one of the few opportunities you have to do that. But you can't get carried away looking for that bat and giving up, you know, young prospects that have a ton of upside in order to do that. We also talked to him about Julio Rodriguez and unsurprisingly, he loved what happened in that final at bat. I was thrilled. (laughs) I wish you would have hit the homer. You know, it would have been the Roy Hobbs moment and the storybook, you know, event really the whole, the whole week long event. But the fact that he had the maturity not to, to leave his approach, he stuck with it. And, and I, for one was was particularly happy that he was mature enough just to pass the baton and you know it's 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 how we want to play baseball it's how we urge the guys to to react and the fact that in that moment and it probably helps that there's all stars all around you <laughs> all of that is is true um for those who don't you, you guys know who Roy Hobbs is right where did that reference go? Is that reference now so dated that nobody knows who that is? Probably. That's the mo- that's the uh, movie The Natural. The natural. He's the, he's the, so the main character uh, from The Redford? Natural. Robert Redford. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Robert Redford in The Natural. Yeah, yeah. So, just for people that don't know, I just, Jerry says it offhandedly, and I wondered whether or not people still know who, who Roy Hobbs is. But he has some of those incredible moments, right? And it would have been that for Julio had he, had he hit a home run and if that moment had come to be. But without that happening... Taking a mature approach, passing the baton, doing all the things that they're talking to, right? I'm talking to him about. To me, that's everything that Scott said in the clip that we played for Jerry and, and, and what he said about Julio a week or so ago. And it's everything they're trying to model to this entire baseball team. Passing the baton, trusting your teammate. And yeah, a lot of texters jumped on and heard exactly what I did. It's a lot easier to do when the guys around you are all all-stars. I don't think anybody expects the Mariners to have an entire lineup full of all-stars to have Jose Ramirez and then, and then, and then, and then coming up after Julio. And oh, by the way, after he took a walk, one of the best hitters in the game, Jose Ramirez struck out. So it's not like passing the baton to another all-star guarantees you success. But I absolutely agree with you that when you have the opportunity to add more all-star type of talent, that would absolutely help Julio feel more relaxed and less responsible for carrying the entire team on his shoulders. I do think he got himself into some trouble trying to be the hero this year. And I think he felt like he needed to be the hero because he looked around and saw what was happening with his team. Ty France wasn't hitting the way he needed to be. Hey, Suarez wasn't. Tay Oscar wasn't, right? And then guys like Colton Wong and, and A.J. Pollock essentially did nothing to start the year. And Julio's looking around like, well, I'm the guy. 
I, I got somebody's going to have to go do this, and it's my, it might as well be me because right now Kelnick's the only guy doing much of anything, and JP Crawford. So I do think that he got himself into some of that into some of that territory, and I do think maybe it is helpful to have guys like like Jose Ramirez around you. But maybe part of the messaging is, hey, look, even the Jose Ramirez is strikeout, and these are the guys we've got, and they've done it before. You've seen Suarez do it in the past. You've seen Ty France do it in the past. And you're going to have to trust them to continue to do it in the future if this thing is going to work the way we want it to. And oh, by the way, at the same time, while you're doing that with the left hand, the right hand needs to be out there trying to acquire more premium talent. And it sounds like that's exactly what he's trying to do. Now, is he going to succeed? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. And is it guaranteed to make your team better even if you do? No. Ask the Mets. Ask the Padres. There's plenty of teams out there that have all kinds of all-star premium talent, and it's not working at all. Yeah. So and- so there is no guarantee in this game. But I think that you have an opportunity here in the next few weeks to try to get better. Will they? I don't know. And I don't want them to overpay for it. I mean, in terms of prospects. But I leave. I, I love the trade deadline. It's just that simple. I just <laughs> I, I love it. I and love this how, whole thing. And how how fortunate it was that, and we, and we knew it was a high likelihood of Luis Castillo working out last year. Because right. when that happened, that you got that taste of like this is what this is how this works, and this is what success feels like at this moment. But it's hard to find those unicorns, right? Where totally. they're good for now yep. and for the future. And that's obviously what Jerry will be looking for, uh, along with Justin Hollander, in the next couple of weeks. All right. As I said, Stacy's going to come by here in about twenty minutes. We'll chat with her. We've got a very creepy ranked for you today um, in a good way I think we'll do all that after everything you need to know next need to know 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk here's what you need to know up first all-star week now in the past it was fantastic uh, unfortunately not as many people watched as you might have liked ratings came out yesterday i guess it's a bit of a mixed bag the bad news it was the lowest rated all-star game in history so I, you just have to say that and understand that it was down just slightly from last year about 7.1 million people tuned in nationwide that being said, we often hear that baseball's got its biggest problems with the younger demographics, and that's actually where they went up for the first time in nine years. The 18 to 49 demo was up a little bit, so I guess that's some good news embedded in the bad. It is still the most watched all-star game in sports, about seven million people, as we said. The NFL just over six, NBA at only four and a half, and the NHL one and a half. So I guess that's still some good news for baseball. By the way, the top city in terms of viewership. Seattle Tacoma market. How about that? We were number one, uh, more than an 8.4 rating here. That's ahead of Atlanta, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Philly, which round out the top five. Really surprised to see Dallas wasn't on that list as good as Texas has been and with five starters in the all-star game, but they were not. Maybe that's the type of thing that should be shown to Shohei Otani as we're trying to let him know that uh, Seattle will be a good place for him to spend his next few years. Baseball continues to try to grow the game internationally, and they announced yesterday their world tour in 2024 will include four international destinations. Three they've done before, London, Mexico City, and Santa Domingo. They will add for opening day Seoul, South Korea. That'll be a pretty cool way to start the season. In fact, I think the whole schedule comes out later today. So we'll know a little bit more about what next season will look like. Here's the second thing you need to know. 
One more off day today, and then the second half starts tomorrow. A sprint to the trade deadline with Minnesota, Detroit, and Toronto. Ten games at home. I'm sure that'll be challenging for all of the staff that's been working hard throughout the All-Star break and probably needs a vacation right now. But at the end of those 10 games, I think we'll know a little bit more, certainly, about where this team is at approaching the deadline. Jerry DePoto joined us a few minutes ago and said that they're going to do what they always do. Our plan and the way it has been for years has always been find ways to get better. And, you know, we tend to think longer term than short. Now, even the, the Luis Castillo acquisition at the trade deadline last year, we weren't looking at it as this is the boost that gets us you know, to the postseason. It's this is the boost that brings an ace to town, and we're going to see if we can lock him up for a while. So you know, we'll continue to look at, at the market, likely more players that, that have a chance to move forward with us than, than what you would call short-term you know, or rental types. Yeah, I think all of that makes sense, and it puts the Mariners in a unique position. John Morosi on yesterday with Wyman and Bob explains. Do not be surprised if he buys and sells, meaning he flips Teoscar, maybe gets some more pitching back, and then packages some stuff together and gets a younger bat and then gets gets a younger arm. He could do both. Uh, that, that to me, is is one thing to watch. Obviously, Teoscar's been playing well, so I, I don't, I, I'm not meaning to say that he's quote-unquote available, but, but Jerry has some options here. And believe me when I tell you, I've talked to people around the industry, a lot of GMs would love to have the hand that Jerry DePoto is sitting with right now at the poker table. They would love it because he has got exactly what everybody wants. I, that's young pitching, of course. I think that's an interesting idea, and it's something to kind of think a little bit about. Guys like Suarez and France and Tay Oscar, et cetera, that are supposed to be sort of stalwarts of this offense that really haven't produced as well as you'd want this year. Are there ways to, you know, maneuver around and maybe upgrade some of those positions? I think it's something to watch. We'll see Luis Castillo get the ball tomorrow. Here's the third thing you need to know. As always, the ESPYs don't disappoint. I love the ESPYs. Always have. I think it's a fun thing that ESPN's created. And now it's not even on ESPN, which is nuts. It's on ABC and was last night. The awards, fun and, and usually entertaining. But there's always something that tugs at the heartstrings. This year, there was an obvious one. Damar Hamlin presenting the award, the Pat Tillman Award for Courage, or for Service, rather, to the training staff that saved his life. Please welcome this year's recipient of the Pat Tillman Award for Service, the training staff of the Buffalo Bills. That was a pretty good moment. He was crying. They were crying, consoling each other, hugging each other. I mean, I like the guy who spoke on behalf of all of the uh, all of the medical team who thanked Demar for not dying on the field that day. I mean, pretty amazing. And Demar was right. I mean, those guys didn't wake up that day expecting that that was the way it was going to finish, and yet they were ready, they were prepared, and they got done uh, what they needed to. So pretty darn cool. Uh, some other winners: Patrick Mahomes, best male athlete. I really enjoyed the speech from uh, Michaela Schifrin, who won the Best Female Athlete Award. This season was absolutely incredible, and there was a lot of talk about records, and it got me thinking, why is a record actually important? And I just feel like it's not important to break records or reset records. It's important to set the tone for the next generation to inspire them. And then inspiration that I feel just being in this room is um, a little bit overwhelming. So I think you can probably tell. So um, thank you for that. And thank you to the fans for voting. And I hope everybody has a really great night. And um, congratulations to the nominees and winners.
Yeah, she seemed a little choked up uh, as well. And just, again, cool to see all of those great players kind of reacting to each other. It's cool. It's good. Uh, it's a good. It's a good event. I'm glad they keep doing it. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salt Show. I'll play you this just for fun because we have a moment before Stacy comes in. Uh, for all of the great stuff with Demar Hamlin, uh, Pat McAfee did the opening monologue. I guess he was a what a last minute fill in because Kevin Hart is uh, unavailable because of the writer's strike. Yeah, I don't know how last minute, but he definitely filled in for Kevin Hart because okay. really, he don't want to cross picket lines, which everybody applauded. Maybe yeah, he, no, he, that's cool. Anyway, he announced that. Yeah, so uh, McAfee. Uh, uh, and McAfee did it, and here's uh, here's what he said about Tamar Hamlin. As Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were trying to navigate the waters, and we all at home feared for the absolute worst, and Skip Bayless was like, get that dead body off the field! We got playoff implications on the line! He said it. The tweet's still up. Hashtag delete the tweet, Skip. Come on. But as we watched on, we saw something that we could have never expected. Denny Kellington and the Buffalo Bills training staff, the EMTs, the doctors at the hospital, the teammates, and the will to survive by DeMar Hamlin has him here tonight, here at all, and back playing football, running faster than he's ever run before. Absolute dog. Yeah, it was cool. It's, uh, it's Well, first of all, that's funny, but also... It's a, it's a cool moment, and uh, great to see all of those people kind of gathered together. What are you smiling at, more? You're you laughing at me? You had a smile like you were no, about to like make fun of me. No, like comment that he made oh, okay. I thought you were going to make fun of me some more. Maybe I'm just like, I'm, I'm I now just <laughs> am I so... like point of paranoia now? Yeah, yeah. it's just Sorry. looming. My life has gotten kind of out of control with this. Honestly, like, Cecily was really empowered, I think, by coming in here and all the feedback she got and how great it was that she made fun of her dad. And now it's like literally nonstop open at season. my house. Open season. Yeah, it's it's rough. And I don't have Avery around because Avery's the only one who kind of like sticks up for me because she's kind hearted. And so like Heather will kill me and Cecily will kill me. My mom's around. She'll kill me a little bit. My dad's going to show up tomorrow that forget it. I mean, so so I kind of need Avery around as like the one sort of person who defends me. Brock shows up here yesterday. You're one person here. Justin, we're good. Yeah, Justin, please help because I can see more like just I can see you like winding up. Up for a punch of some sort. I'll just. Done and now, because I must be a glutton for punishment, I'm going to bring Stacy into here, into the studio, because God yep. knows where that goes. That that has a tendency to lead to me feeling embarrassed as well. All right. Well, I'll do the best I can. I'm trying to stay humble. It's hard to do when you're as good at doing ranked as I am. So we'll do that in 20 minutes right after Stacy Ross next. Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710CLSports.com. Dad, you smell bad. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, wrapping up Brock and Salk here. Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com. And we'll have ranked coming up in 15 minutes. Stacy Rost before that. And she uh, sits down here with me in studio. Hi. A few minutes before your show begins at 10 o'clock. How are you? I'm well. I do want to issue a congratulations. Two Vanderpump Rules. Oh, wow. Uh, nominated for an Emmy. Really? Yeah. For what? We tried to tell you. Yeah. What, what? Uh, excellence in broadcasting. What do you mean for what? <laughs> what kind of an Emmy does that get nominated for? 
excellence in broadcasting. Are you no, serious? I, no, I actually don't know. Uh, is there like some reality category now? I have no idea. I just know wow. they were nominated for an Emmy. Most drama or something like that. Most most drama created. Let me tell you what that show jumped from. However many, like a fraction of viewers that they once had to an audience of four million, wow. like overnight. I mean, it was nominated for outstanding unstructured reality program. Unstructured and reality. And it was. Wow. And it was. I can only imagine the uh, other participants in a category like that. Hey. I'm, sure it's, I'm sure it's quite a crew. So Deadliest Catch is in there. Okay. Welcome to Wrexham, the Rob McElhaney and... Uh, oh, I've heard that was really good. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Okay. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. And Vanderpump Rules. Wow. Life Below Zero also. I don't think I've... I've never watched an episode of any of those things except for Deadliest Catch. the Wrexham one is probably going to win. Yeah. That's getting crazy good reviews. What'd you think of the All-Star Week? Uh, well, it was chaotic. Uh, <laughs> in a fun way. Uh, the Home Run Derby is always my favorite thing. Like, I know the All-Star Game is technically what it's centered around, but I don't know about you guys. Home Run Derby is what I was most looking forward to and what I most personally enjoyed. Um, it was cool. It was, it was, uh, I was simultaneously very excited to see so many baseball fans come together. When we were out at Hatback, you had fans that were, uh, Braves fans, Astros fans, and, uh, you know, Yankees fans, you know, Mets fans, whatever it is. It was just like a, you could see that this was a a huge gathering of baseball Mm -hmm. in the baseball community. At the same time, I do love that at times it felt like it's a Mariners home game. Like the yeah. Seattle crowd was so present and engaged, and I thought it was awesome. You grew up here. Yes. In SeaTac. Yeah, shout you, out SeaTac. Shout, shout out, out Tai. Of course. Yeah, shout uh, out the airport. You went to school here, so you've never lived anywhere but Seattle, right? No. Did you feel like, I mean, uh, was there a sense of pride as as the city kind of showed up and showed out the way it did over the course of the last week? Uh, good question. Yes. Um, Yes. I think there's always you don't have to be from Seattle to be well aware of stereotypes about not only Seattle, but about West Coast teams in general, that West Coast teams aren't as passionate as East Coast teams. And in some ways, I don't want to say it's true, but like booing is going to be far more prominent in Yankee Stadium than it is going to be in team. For sure. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there is just a truth to that. Like, culture sometimes is different on the East Coast versus West Coast, as you know, yes. being from the East Coast. Um, but I, there were little things that I was just happy about. Like, I was, I was kind of bummed on Monday for the Home Run Derby when it was cloudy because I think the city's so beautiful and it has a reputation of being rainy and awful. And and during this time of the year, it's one of the most beautiful places you can be. So I was so happy on Tuesday when it was lovely. Like little things like that. I was, I. It's why I kind of like the booing Mm. because I like kicking back against the stereotype that fans just don't care. Like Seattle fans are passionate. They get fired up. And I also think that that's something that like hasn't always been the case and is changing over time. And I like it. One of the the memorable moments will be the crowd chanting, come to Seattle to Shohei Otani. I got to ask Jerry DePoto about it today. He did love it. He thought it was great. I asked him if he would want a Shohei Otani. And obviously he can't answer that question. So he just said that he thinks 29 other teams would be interested in a player like that if they were to become available. Uh, But you guys talked to Jeff Fletcher yesterday Mm -hmm. uh, from Anaheim. I want to play you this cut and kind of get your reaction to it. I mean, I don't think the fans cheering his name probably had any impact, but I think all those other, you know, bigger picture things that I mentioned before all sort of work in Seattle's favor. I think Seattle's definitely one of the teams that would be on the short list uh, for him, uh, especially with how they've improved 
lately, uh, the last couple of years, that they look like they could be a good team. You know, I think the Mariners were probably the runner-up the first time when he picked the Angels, and uh, it just kind of came down to he really liked what Billy Upler of the Angels had to say about the feeling of belonging and the connection that he made with them. You know, I, I think definitely fans in Seattle should should feel like they have a pretty decent chance. As a Seattleite yourself, which generally comes with an in an unwillingness to put yourself too far out there so that you don't get hurt, yeah. how how <laughs> how far are you willing to put yourself out there to want Shohei Otani here oh, next year? Pretty far. You're willing. To, you're willing thing, to get hurt. The only thing that I hesitate about is trading for short term rental because am I confident that Seattle? Oh, with him? Yes. Yeah. Because am I confident that, like, I I don't know. Even for Shohei Otani, who I think is the best player I've ever seen, would I want to trade Logan and Kirby and someone else? Or like, I don't think the Angels are going to do it. I don't think the Angels are no, going to trade. No, they, they shouldn't. But I also wouldn't want the Mariners to see that happen, which no, is silly knowing it's Otani. You, you, you but, can't do that. And by the way, you don't have the horses to yeah, do it. If Tampa yeah. and the Yankees, some of those other teams so get involved. are you talking about, like, would you want to pay so much and have it potentially come back and bite Just you? Just are you willing to, like, be all in on the idea that it's going to happen? I, I don't think oh, there's any chance no, that, no, I mean, not. yeah. But, oh, uh, you're not. You're no, not willing not. to get hurt. But I, I think that the odds are likelier than I did prior to our interview with Jeff. And if you guys listen back to the full interview on the Bump and Stacy podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. Um, it is in our, I want to say hour two. Okay. And um, he talks about Shohei as a person. So he has a book on Shohei Otani. And he admits, like, look, even as someone who is a beat reporter covering this team, covering Shohei day in and day out, like he's a very private person. They only get to interview him on days that he pitches. And um, which is weird in itself because you normally don't talk to the starter. It must be like after the game is the only time they get to interview him. Um, But he's like, this is a guy who he doesn't want to be in a media fishbowl. Like he'll do it, but he doesn't like it. He's very private. He just likes like going home and playing video games and maybe studying and like eating and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the it's, video game thing is true, by the way. I went through that play yeah. ball thing over uh, by the stadium mm-hmm. and they took you to like each of the all stars lockers. And that was what was in his yeah. locker was like a bunch of video games. Yeah, he's just he's a very low key person, a very private person and someone who I think would be intrigued by Seattle as a landing spot. If Seattle was the playing like the Braves are, mm-hmm. I would say Shohei's coming here to Seattle. Um, the there are two things that make me pause. One, can Seattle prove that they can win? Because the only thing we know about what Shohei wants is that he says losing sucks. Right. That's the only Which thing. Which is why we the know. Dodgers have to be the 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 odds on favorite to to land. They Shohei do. Otani. Only he does not want to be in a giant market. Like very intentionally does not want to be in this like New York. But LA is not that. It's bigger, obviously, it than would Anaheim. Be, though it would be, they have the. The Dodgers would be a step up attention-wise. They are, but I'll tell you what. I've lived in L.A. It's not that big a step up. It's not like playing for the Lakers. The Lakers are always going to be the kings if of Otani that city. If Otani was there. But think about, the, just the, think about the infrastructure itself as it, far as media outlets that are there, access. It would absolutely be bigger than it is right yes. now in Anaheim. But it's not like it would be in New York or Boston or Philly or Chicago or something like that. It, it, it just doesn't. 
it doesn't the town is just so freaking big. Yeah. And 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 Hollywood runs that town in a way that 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 sports will never be able to compete with other than the Lakers. Yeah. Well, and the Lakers because celebrities sit courtside. And San Francisco will be a part of it as well because, again, both of those teams didn't have the DH the last time they mm-hmm. were bidding on mm-hmm. Shohei. I know Buster said that to you guys last week. He did, and, and he also said that, the, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers just have are in a better financial situation. Than well, they're they in essentially a perfect. I mean, yes. they have more money than. Yep. They just they're incredibly wealthy. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would put the Mariners third on the list, but you're right. Listening to Fletcher, it's like, hey, it could happen. Like, it, you know, you have to create a pitch. So if you were consulting the Mariners and they mm-hmm. said, all right, what should we say to Shohei to try yeah. to get him to come here? What's your pitch? Uh, my pitch would be, uh, well, there's something that I want them to do, and then there's something I think they should tell Shohei. If you if you want to talk to Shohei, you need to convince him that uh, you are absolutely in on getting to a World Series and there's nothing else on your mind. Mm-hmm. Have the Mariners convinced you of that? Uh, I do believe that's what they would like to do, yes. That's what they would like to do. Do you think that that's what they're fighting to do? Yes. See, I sometimes wonder. Like, I... I think that they would very much like to win a World Series. I think that John Stanton, I think Jerry DePoto, I think Scott Service, I think all these people want more than anything to win a World Series. I think this team is not aggressively pursuing a World Series. I think they are, but that's okay. We, we've differed on this yeah. before. All right, so you've got to convince Shohei of that. You have to convince Shohei that you are going to get to a World Series and importantly going to get to one while he's here. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think that's the only thing he cares about. And then you just tell him, like, look, we're going to protect you. We are going to uh, make you a priority. We've got a great community here. We, uh, you know, we I think that that's something that Fletcher talked about him liking, too, is like the idea of the organization of the Angels is what he liked. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the Angels convinced him of. Something Which about is community, amazing I guess. considering it's not a great organization. I know, but mm-hmm. they convinced him of something. And I think that he, I think he is a great teammate. And I think he cares deeply that that a team feels cohesive. It's interesting, the, the whole Ichiro That's thing looming over all of this, right? And Ichiro was kind of conspicuously absent over the last few days. He was the one member of like that one team. Like, where was Ichiro? And Brock kind of brought up a a question yesterday. None of us know. I I mean, he was in Japan, right? He had some, what did they say, Justin, that it was like a pre-booked event or something that he was in. Was it like an Emmy's nomination celebration? Uh, Probably. (laughs) But he he wasn't here, which seemed a little odd, struck me as odd. Mm -hmm. Brock suggested maybe that was on purpose to try to keep the focus away from him so that Shohei, I don't know, maybe, but but if Shohei doesn't like the spotlight, you would think having Ichiro here would help, or maybe he was trying to draw some of his media away. Who the heck knows? What if Shohei would not want to disrespect Ichiro's legacy? And so someone like Ichiro is like, well, then I'm going to move that to the side and give you the spotlight in this moment. Yeah, I mean, Ichiro is here in uniform and batting gloves for every game, but not the All-Star game? Right. Kind of weird. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked he wasn't like in the dugout stretching. (laughs) I mean, I would have, literally, I was shocked that that wasn't the case. So, yeah, I I think it was like, when those guys showed up to throw out the first pitch, if Ichiro had been asked, I would have expected him to do it in full uniform. So yeah, it was it was a little interesting, and and it, you can't help but wonder if that has something to do with Shohei Otani. We only have like a minute or so, so I don't really have enough time to ask you about this. But okay, I'll see you guys later. We spent uh, we spent some time this morning talking about no Seahawks in uh, defenders in the top ten at their position. Not one. Oh, wow. Okay, so I mad. knew this was the case for uh, defensive tackles. It's all of the defense. 
There's not one defensive player in the top 10 of their position. Bobby Wagner's still not even 10 Honorable at linebacker mention. is interesting to me. Honorable mention Pro Football for Focus him. is much higher on him than well, ESPN's ESPN's ESPN was not, and this was, you know, players and executives and coaches yeah, and all that. Yeah. Is well, they're that, also obsessed with having a younger player. Are they being ignored or no, are they no. just not that good? Uh, I think it's somewhere in the middle, but you're not being ignored. You were th- you were 25th in scoring. You were 30th against the run, and you think you're going to be top 10 in something? The only thing they were top 10 is in getting sacks. And when you take a deeper dive, you realize that they were not consistently putting pressure on the quarterback at all. They were 28th in like hurries or quarterback pressures. Like you lucked out into getting a couple sacks, and there was a stretch of games. I think starting with Tampa Bay, where you just weren't touching the quarterback. And it went on for a while. So it's kind of a misleading stat that I don't know that I'd cling on to. I don't know why you would expect. I actually think I Quandre, expect. I think, no, not you, General you, you, maybe the Seahawks. Quandre is, uh, I think, one of the more underrated defensive backs in the game. If Jamal was healthy, maybe he would have put together a, a better resume to be out there. But he's not. And he hasn't been. Your linebackers were, uh, you know, not great, really inconsistent. Your defensive line was atrocious. Um, your secondary uh, actually took a huge step forward. The problem is your secondary the year prior was 31st against the pass. <laughs> so huge step forward pits you at about 15. When it's all said and done, very quickly, will their defense be significantly better this year? Uh, define, like, like you mean a top five defense? No, no just I don't will think it so. be significantly better than it was last year? I feel like it's going towards that. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere between better and significantly better. I can I can find more reasons that they would be much better than reasons that they wouldn't. Good. Well, that's certainly an encouraging sign. You can listen to Stacy uh, every day want. coming up at 10 a.m. right after this show from 10 to 2. Make sure you stick around for headline re- rewrites at 10:30 and everything else they do. Who uh, who's on the show today? Instead of ranked. What? I would be happy to. I would be happy to but do that. Justin, I've done all this work, and yeah, we, have, no, we have to rank I, ghosts. I actually think you know sometimes it's uh, sometimes people miss they they miss ranked more when you take a break from it. I did. I was out yeah. all of last week. Maybe I took we, a big break from why it. Why not just make it a round number and and go a full week without ranked? You know what? Hit the <laughs> music. You, go prepare for your show. <laughs> yeah. Stacy's coming back more, at ten a.m. and it is time for ranked. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Justin, why are we ranking ghosts today? I was just, as soon as you just said that. <laughs> no. Did you forget again? Like, why are we ranking? Ghosts today. Well, we're ranking ghosts. Uh, today is because Ghost, the movie, oh. opened in theaters on the same history in 1990. 1990. I remember it like it was yesterday. I saw that movie in the theaters. Get off my train. It's the best line in the movie. It might be the only good line in the movie. I really don't like that movie very much, but we are <laughs> ranking ghosts today. We've got some uh, things like My Chemical Romance. of you. Yeah, thank you. I think that might be the first time we've got My Chemical Romance in the ring. Is that true? We haven't gotten right. like uh, no. join the Black Parade or I anything? Think we in like You're so right. long and good night. Parades ranked maybe? Or, what's the one that says so long, good night? I think that's uh, Helena. Yeah, I, I think like we've gotten them in there. Okay, good. Never How mind. about Justin Bieber? He makes his way in here occasionally. This is Ghost of You. Interesting 
interesting guy. I remember I met him when he was like 13. Really? Yeah, he came into the radio station that I was working at at the time. And wow, it was a circus. Is he going to end up like Britney years from now? I honestly don't think so. That's good. I, I think he's got more self-awareness. You guys are showing me those videos, man. Yikes, that's been a change. That's been a change. She doesn't seem like she's in great shape. Yeah. Rolling Stones, uh, living in a ghost town. Feel Yeah, because you got to get stuff like that in there, right? Yeah. Uh, let's see. We got Ghost Ride the Whip. 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 Now scrape, 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 scrape. How does that song exist? It's the hip hop version of the Tom DeLonge Blink 182 wine voice. Scrape. It's just weird. Weird that that song exists. It's a good song. But it did create a great trend of people trying to ghost ride their whips and crash in their cars on YouTube. Right. So if you want to fall down a, a rabbit hole on that, it's really funny. <laughs> Something tells me that's harder to do than you might yeah, think. People running over their own feet. Ah, it's actually no, thank you. Uh, let's see. You got the band ghost. One of the Great most popular band. metal bands right now, right? Huge band. Yeah. I really like them. You got a lot of movies. Uh, we do have the movie Ghost. Uh, do we have sound from Ghost? We must. Get we have to get off my train. Get off my train should be there. Hold on. Where is it? I'm looking for it. Mm-hmm. Give it a refresh. It should be there. Give it a refresh? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Here we go. Get off my train. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Stupid. I thought you'd put that in the top. I actually, I thought no. You'd put I don't Ghost really like that movie. Too. I never did. Ghost in the Machine, Space Ghost, the cartoon. Uh, you got the Gray Ghost from uh, the the DC comic universe. Yeah. There's that uh, uh, sitcom that's on now, Ghosts, uh, which I haven't watched, but it's supposed to be pretty funny. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, uh, the Queen Mary ship. Have you yes. ever been there? In yeah. Long Beach during World War II, they yep. painted it. Gray and they called it the gray, the gray ghost. ghost. Yes, of course, you got uh, negative ghost rider. The pattern is full. Oh, That's from yeah. Top Gun. I swear you guys have done this one. Ghost I World. So. I don't think so more. If we did, maybe it was a ghost rider that did it. If we <laughs> if we did more, I would certainly hope we got Shane Ghostus Berry, the hockey player. He used to play for the Senators, I think. He's been around. Yeah, that guy. Got to be worried about the father, the son, the Holy Ghost. You got those ghosts <laughs> in Pac Man. You know those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's um, a couple. I, when I was looking that up to see if I could find any sound for it, there's a lot of cheats for avoiding the ghosts that would have been very helpful for me. Oh, as really? A kid that apparently are, are available. Huh. Pretty upset about it. How about the Rolls Royce Silver Ghost? Mm hmm. Those are sweet. I love Rolls Royces. I would love, like. Phantom. If I, could, if I could be wealthy, I would get a Rolls Royce. With the umbrella in the door? When I went to my at our wedding, we had to take a, a car from where we did the ceremony to where we did the uh, reception. Mm-hmm. And the, the one of the coolest parts of our wedding is we rented, you know, for the day for an hour, the driver and a Rolls Royce, like a new one. No, okay, like an old Sweet. Rolls Royce. It was really cool. That's a good idea. I'd always wanted to be in a Rolls Royce, even just for a few minutes, and it was it was awesome. Great I idea. loved it. All right, are you ready for the top five? Ghosts top five ghost number five. We hug these mics, we get busy. Come and have a good time with GOD. Make you snap your fingers or wiggle. Squeeze out, laugh or just giggle. Shake that body party. That 
is Mora. I swear, you, I remember you asking me or about Ghostface Killa songs recently. What what else would he have been in? I swear you've ranked this before. Might have been Killa's ranked. Killa's ranked? Yeah, Faces probably. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been Faces, actually. <laughs> Maybe it was uh, Wu-Tang members ranked. <laughs> Come in. We haven't done. We should do that. Okay. That would be an actual rank. Do it tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds it good. Tomorrow. Put it we'll together. Do, we'll put it together. We'll do it tomorrow. If you want to do the work, you're welcome to do it. Your least favorite ghosts. Who's that? The Ghost Runner. Oh, stupid. <laughs> stupid Ghost Runner. All right, that's number five, uh, Ghostface Killer. Number four. Casper, the friendly ghost, the friendliest ghost you know. The grown-ups might look at him with fright. The children all love him so. <laughs> <laughs> Matt in Oregon, you must be ranking ghosts because it's Betsy's birthday, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty that's funny. funny. Uh, Cecily wants me to uh, make sure I mention Ghost by Ava Max. That's her favorite pop star by far. Okay. Big Ava Max fan. I've now, I now know like 30 Ava Max songs. She's really, she's really sweet. I like her a lot. Is she? Have you yeah. met her? I interviewed her, yeah. She used to shave the side of her head. Kind of weird. It's like a, the haircut thing that caught on. She's talented. Very. I we're, like. Her. I actually kind of like most of her songs. I think they're pretty good. We had a ghost pepper. I don't do that. Not nah, your thing. No, it's not my thing. I like spicy, but I've seen people be like in actual. I'm out dis- on that. Distress. All right, yeah. we're, we're running out of time. I gotta go quick here. Number three, the specials. The specials are awesome. That's a really good song. So that's number three. Number two. That is nasty when that guitar kicks in after he says it. That's Rage Against the Machine, yes. of course. The ghost of Tom Joad. Number one, I guess it's sort of a tie between the song and the movie. The movie. Golden, the there he is. Good evening. And of course, the song. <laughs> Something strange in your neighborhood. Ghostbusters. Obviously not. I'm surprised, Justin, you didn't go with Too Hot to Handle, Too Cold to Hold. We call the Ghostbusters and they're in control from Ghostbusters 2. Why would I? You just did it. That's a good point. You need to. Kind of nailed it, too. Ghost Town DJs? People I've heard of Ghost Town that. DJs, yeah. Space boat, Space Ghosts? I think I mentioned that. If not, I meant to. Okay. It was on the list here. Sorry, Christian. Yeah, sorry. This is my ghost Rider. Negative Ghost Rider. Pattern is full. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Uh, Brock will be back tomorrow morning. Uh, we will have our regular Friday with G, etc. We'll take some phone calls. Until then, the hay is in the barn. See everybody. This is a chopper!